0: Hey, Queeros, Cami here. I just want to take a moment and shout out those of you who support the podcast on Patreon. There's a tier where you get a shout out on, there's a a support tier. There's an amount that you can donate per month where you get a shout out on the Query Prime podcast. And I'm so excited to thank Jasmine, Ehrlich Sim, Danny Alcorn, Jennifer Hunt, Audrey Rower, Catherine Michaels, Rachel McIntyre, Hannah Booth. Julia Moseman, Brittany Carlson, Chloe, Courtney Ross, and Kevin Fry. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for being a supporter of the podcast at that level. If you would like to support what I'm doing here, what Sierra is doing, all of the wonderful guests that we have, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash There's a bunch of different levels that you can join at, and I would really, really love it if you did. Thank you so much to all of those wonderful queeros, Quero's Cami here. Very exciting. I think you might hear some traffic in just a moment. Oof, I'm, I'm on the go and in a parked car, letting you know that this episode of Query is a chat with Alan Cumming, great actor, Chris Sweeney, great director. They have a podcast together called Homo Sapiens. And I am a huge and longtime fan of Alan's. And I think I actually seem like a total weirdo during this entire interview. Tweet at me, let me know. Just listen to the show and then you can say weirdo, not weirdo. Enjoy! I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still on, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Well I always start the show by having folks introduce themselves. Would you two introduce yourselves?
1: I am Alan Cumming. I am a top international celebrity. And and podcaster,
2: I'm Christopher Sweeney. I'm a medium regional celebrity and uh, also podcaster.
0: You know the the like. I'm not trying to fix your joke, but I think it's. I think it's actually. I'm a bottom international celebrity. (laughs) Like just for. I'm just pitching it back as an idea for future, and I don't even know you know, what's true for you. But like, it, that is the right yeah. thing to say. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Listen, we're, we're on our podcast, Homo Sapiens, yeah, please raise and subscribe. We talk a lot about me being a bottom. So um, <laughs> I think we I think we should go with bottom international celebrity. No, bottom lot, yeah. regional celebrity.
1: We've talked a lot about bottoms in general in the last, actually, actually yesterday we recorded an episode and I heard myself say to this person, this is what I actually said, may I talk about your anus? That's what I said to this, <laughs> didn't I oh. to that guest delivered went, that gently yes. Was is
0: it delivered in that, um, kind
1: of, in that very step, that is like, the right please sir may i have some more kind of a little voice uh, yes it... may i may i talk about your anus
2: and he said yeah, appropriate for a library there's this soothing voice that alan does when he asks one of these questions which was i think you asked jeremy o'harris you said jeremy how is your anal sex life right now <laughs> Cut to it. Can you hear the dog attacking something? Like, I thought Scotland. that was you having a go at some biscuits. Oh, if, if only a girl can dream. I, Let me just... We
0: actually don't talk about this a lot on this on this show. So I'm I. I welcome, uh, the conversation. I think that for some reason, I don't know in the queer, women and trans, non-binary inclusive space that, wear shirts that are kind of like the shirt I'm wearing or whatever. You know, like, I feel like we don't we don't talk about this stuff a lot, which is funny. What I, about I sex in they're... general
1: or about bums? Mm,
0: well, number one, bums. Number two, topping and bottoming, which I think also has a place outside of yes, the...
2: absolutely. ...like,
0: cis gay male community. Um, but I don't think that we talk about it as if it has a place outside of that community.
1: Um, no, no, we don't. We don't think like, I sex.
0: really... Like, I identify... A, as the top, which I think is an unusual, also verse, which I think is an unusual thing for, uh, cause I also, I guess, identify politically as a woman, you know, I don't know.
1: So I think we don't talk about that a lot.
2: Yeah. Um, I've never had a conversation with my queer female friends about it. There's a lot going on.
1: I just think, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I've, I think it falls into the department of danger for me and, and, and danger that we're taking on those sort of patriarchal, rule systems where you have to Ooh, define yes. yourself you have to it's not it's everything has <clears throat> to be black and white and i think anything that does that immediately make, gives warning signs to me because you're closing yourself off to possibility and and experience so i yes. just or, that, or, or else that means i'm just slutty
0: no i mean i hear i, to, I hear you Alan, i think a... for me it feels like then i can't figure out Sometimes it does feel like because I didn't grow up like seeing a lot of people that look like me, sometimes I feel some like relief in identifying with anything. And then, of course, the moment you identify with something, you do enter into a system where there's an opposite of that thing. Like, I totally get what you're saying or mm-hmm. identifying with a word creates like an exclusion. For instance, like the word lesbian, which I think is has now evolved to be like for some folks includes, exclusive of trans folks. Anyway, this is all just a very long way of saying. Sometimes I feel like I really like having labels because otherwise I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Does that make any sense at all? Like, how am I supposed to You live need to get a label maker. World?
1: It sounds like I bet a label maker would do would, would yeah. help you in many ways. I mean, literally, a label
0: shirts. maker. shirts. Yeah, fair enough.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like twists, isn't it? It's like it's nice to have labels because then you can do a, a new twist on it or. Um you know, you can play with it. And I think that's... I just like queer. I think queer is so
1: much of an umbrella. It's about so many things. And also it doesn't necessarily define what you do with your, and you side your underpants. And I think it's got. It doesn't. It doesn't specify gender. It doesn't. Spe, it's. It's. You know. I think it's about sensibility and about. But it's about sort of solidarity. So I don't know. There's something I. I. I the umbrella of that that I really like. I say I, I, as a queer man now much more often than I say other things. I think.
0: Is that how? When? How long has that been true? What? Alan, for you, like that? That. That worked as the best term. Queer. Always. Mm, yeah.
1: No, not always. I don't know. But while I remember actually seeing, because I'm doing this really boring thing. Like I've got to look through all these old clips that are on my website so to move ourselves. So, 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 it's boring. So, something I've got to do all the, look at all these endless interviews with myself and decide which year they're from. Because um, whoever put them up there forgot to say what, <laughs> which year. And as the years go by, you know, there's rather a lot. But there was, uh, Jessica Lang gave me this award in about I think 2005 or six, uh, A, a Glad award. And she was reading what You know, she was reading an introduction to me and she was kind of a little, I said, I'd said, oh, call me a queer man. And I think that even then it was a little sort of, it was sort of newish to say that uh, in Mm. in a sort of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that common that people did that. Uh, And so, um, and she was a little taken aback by that because she had that sort of, you know, the remnants of that being a, a slight so I suppose since then, but not like fully. I don't really care what people call me. I mean, I, I, I mean, I do obviously, but I don't mind if people get it wrong, and uh, I, I, I don't know. And I also, I'm a bit bored of just t- of having to talk about it and explain what, explain it all. Do you know what I mean? I think queer kind of gets it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, you know, we don't know each other outside of this Zoom, but I definitely am aware of. Like you've just been in the public eye for
1: a long time,
0: a fucking minute. Yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine that's why I ask, because there have been so many shifts in the community and to have to answer this question for such a long period of time. Like, I'm sure you've gotten this question for what has like spanned a lot of changes yes. within the community. Yes. Like, you, you know, probably I don't even I don't know when you started fielding this. Do you know when you started fielding this question?
1: Oh yes, for decades. I mean, I can't remember yes. I mean yeah, for decades. For decades. Uh and obviously things have changed and I've changed and how I want to talk about it and how I deal with it. I mean, I always I mean I think it's def- I think it's complicated for me. Well, it's not complicated for me, but it's complicated for people. Like one of the one of the other things I was seeing in that troll through all those interviews from my website was an old ancient one with Chelsea Handler when she had a show. She used to have a nightly talk show. And I was on one time, and I and it was I thought, oh, here we go, because always around that time, uh, and once in a while I still get it. But they go, Alan, you're you're the only guest who's been on the show who's been married to a woman and a man, and I was go, yeah, but not at the same time, and um, <laughs> I think that's always been something that's made people been very difficult for people this concept of that I have been married to man and women. I've had relationships with both men and women, and I still define myself as bisexual, even though I've been married to a man for f- ooh, 15 years or something. And that, I think, is something that's just exhausting. And I think it's, I think, I hope that you have to explain it less and less now. But, of course, it's, it's still, it's still not. I mean, and also, I, I also say to people, but if you want to call me gay, you can. If you want to call me, you know, I'd prefer bisexual. If we're going to be, you know, um, sort of clinical about it, queers fine. Blah blah. I just think it's. I think as you get older, you think actually, I I feel I've talked about this enough. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, Google me, uh, but I don't want to waste my time explaining to you what it, what what I am, how I am, and how I feel. And if you want me to, if you know, because sometimes what it comes down to is a sort of a debate on bisexuality or the. Existence of, and that I'm just not interested in. It's like people who don't believe in climate change go and fuck yourselves.
0: That's still, still, still. That's a thing for you. The debate. It,
1: it's not a thing I come up against all the time. No, it's not. But the, yeah. that debate, that debate does exist. Of course, I'm aware of that in the world. Yes, but I think less and less so because I think. I think what's actually been the great thing. What I think I've really myself and many people uh, really uh, appreciate about the whole trans. Explosion is that has made the concept of being in the middle and not being one thing or the other, or or being a bit of both, much more um, understandable to people, because of transness and gender, uh, people now understand I think more about about bisexuality or or pansexuality or those things. So I think that's we've well, actually owe a
2: great favor,
1: we owe a great th- open- thanks to trans people for that.
2: It's opening up the spectrum a bit, isn't it? It's sort of a few more things on the spectrum of becoming mm. mainstream so people can understand that there's things in between, I think. Yes. But also yes. do you feel that do you feel that you 'cause I find it sometimes when we're interviewing people like that I don't want to necessarily talk about their transness or their whatever um specific part of their queerness is because they are more than that. But then sometimes I go, well, on a podcast that is for people yeah. who are queer I feel like I, w- I want to because I remember hearing those people the first conversations I heard around that and what a beacon that was you know yes yes I think it's important
1: I mean I think that's why it's good to do that in those introductions but but also usually when we're talking to people it's there we're talking to them about something connected to their like queer lives and so mm. it kind of comes up but yeah I mean I think it's I think it's I you know it's interesting for me I feel um having a prefix as an actor, say, like I ha- I used to get bisexual actor Alan Cumming, then it would be like maybe gay actor Alan Cumming. You would never say straight actor, blah, blah, would you? No, no one would ever say that. So there no. there, there, we have a sort of a, a problem already because we're much more likely to define people who are not straight purely by their sexuality. And that's the problem in our society. And then, I, of course, I also have the extra whammy of like Scottish actor, Scottish bisexual actor Alan Cumming. <laughs> That you wouldn't have yeah. that about you wouldn't have that about an English actor. You don't say American actor, blah blah, or English actor, you know, blah blah. Mm. I mean, um, I just get these these things sort of. I get they kind of get my back up a bit because they're they make you other, and uh, actually, they're trying to in the guise of giving more information about you. They're making they're making you other.
0: Yeah, Alan. I mean, I I, I so hear you. I think that for me. You know, the reason I want to start this podcast is because I am really obsessed with, and not a master of, um, you know, and not a and not a pro at, let's not use the word master, and not a pro at um, mm. queer history. Mm. I, like, really care about where we have been and who we have been. Uh-huh. And one thing that I realized a couple years ago is, like, oh... This is still ongoing. Queer history is not the past. Like it's also now. And we have the ability to record these conversations and talk about the this fastest moving right, moving civil rights um movement in history. Like yeah. this, this is changing every day. This is you know, Absolutely. your experiences has been so different than, say, mine or, you know, anybody else's. And it's amazing that we get to have these conversations. And when I identify What's going on with you? Like, I I hear what you're saying, and then I also will say that those things that you just said that, like, other you, for me, actually call me in. Like, they make mm-hmm. us the same, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that that's why, that's where my interest lies is, um, I understand that, you know, if you're walking into a room and thinking, like, why is, I mean, I truly, as a stand-up comic, like, the idea that I, I had, I once had a an executive ask me, um, if my work was always going to be this political. And I was like, wait, but I actually just talk about my life. You <laughs> think it's po- like it's, I mean, it is political because the personal is political, but but like what a wild thing to say to me. Yeah. I just talk about like dating, marriage, divorce. I just talk about human things. Yeah. It's, your it's experience. just political because of I yeah, just talk because of like how you frame it. Um so I understand that frustration, but I also will say that, you know, it matters to me to watch for instance, you in a role and, like, see how you wear your body, like, see how you use your voice or how you interact with other actors and be like, that's me in this scene or whatever. Because, like, I feel an affinity um, hmm. between myself and other queer folks.
1: Right, right.
0: So, like, I think that's why that stuff matters to me.
1: Right. That's interesting. I mean, I just feel it. I just feel it's, I I. I mean, I. I feel, I guess, I think people know my queerness, uh, enough. And I don't, I don't always feel that when it's being mentioned, it's not in, it's not in situations like this, it's in in newspapers and things like that. You know what I mean? In situations where it doesn't seem relevant, that's, Mm -hmm. that's where I, that's where it irks me because it sort of means that I feel we've got a long way to go still. I just, I know, I wave, I wave my flag as loudly as I, and proudly as I can. And I, and I do think it's very important just for people to know and see, uh, you know, mentors or people that are who have gone before them and see all that stuff and see what they're doing. But yeah, I think we're kind of slightly talking about two different things, because I'm talking about uh, not just sort of um, presenting and, and, and uh, but also about being, having that be the only thing about you when that in a in a context where it isn't actually the main thing about you that's being discussed do you see
0: absolutely yeah i do how do you two let's let's talk about how you two know each other and decided to work together on a podcast
2: wow well,
0: talk me through that
2: well so Chris was my sir yeah <laughs> and you know he tips like no one else no um here's a tip. i'll give here's you a tip, a tip. <laughs> you see, you guys are
0: simultaneous. That was you cute.
2: See, Um, we, I, um, so we host a podcast together called Homo sapiens, yes. which is where queer people talk about life. But when, uh, I met Alan, it's because I was interviewing him for the podcast with my friend Will Young, who is a British pop star and writer and actor and many other brilliant things. And, um, we went to see Alan in Edinburgh and we interviewed him and we had such a merry time where actually I remember you saying people can call me gay people can call me bisexual I don't care um it's funny when you said that I "I remember you saying that the first time I met you um yes and then when Will then went um and, and did his album and didn't want to do it anymore uh Alan stepped in so now we co host Together, so we and we, we that was sort of brought about by our agent who we have in common, a guy called Conor McCahan. Ex-agent, ex-agent, yeah. yeah, fired him. We fired him. <laughs> no, we didn't. He he retired. We're so successful, he retired. Yeah, he lives.
0: That's right. <laughs> he doesn't need any more money. That was it. That On was the, the, the residuals are just yeah. floating. Yeah, oh, mm-hmm.
2: I mean, Adam's I mean, trust me, I know. To turn gold.
0: Yeah, I know. I know about the money that's in podcasting. You know you oh,
2: have to tell me. I, rich as creases. All of us, <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. So Chris, when you when you met Alan to do this interview, I'm assuming that you already had context for Alan. Um, yes. And how does one go from that vibe to peers working together vibe? That feels slightly unusual to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know
0: I know what you're saying about arranged by the agent, but like just in your well, own mind, it
2: was it was like it's so funny because we said, oh well, let's do twelve episodes together and we'll do a, a whole bunch of interviews at alan's house in new york and like in my head i called it salon de alan because <laughs> we sort of we're in alan's like the room at the top of his house and like we just all these people came like cynthia nixon and patty smith and it was just like we just chatted and like and alan's husband was downstairs listening and was like i just hear you all laughing all day and it was it was great fun but i remember getting on the plane to go there and i was like i don't actually know this person at all and it's <laughs> a really it's a really intimate thing to interview someone together and i and i think it's it's really hard as well i think I think interviewing people is really difficult so we were i i we you know luckily it worked out really well because the one thing that's amazing about Alan is he's just this sort of warm inclusive person who doesn't really you kind of you what you see is what you get if you know what I mean and so there's not so it's really straightforward and it's been really fun and also I think
1: I I I, you know we'd done that wide-ranging chat with Will in that hotel in Edinburgh and I think Mm. that was like I think was because I and I said you know this is the best my favorite interview i've done in ages and because you know, i've had this whole sort of I, i'm against podcasts" sort of thing every fucker's got a podcast jesus christ mm-hmm. it's going to be like reality tv you know eventually everyone will have been on re- some reality tv show then we can all just stop um yes. and um, so i had all that kind of shit going on but when we did that initial one i, I s- said very clearly that I, i'd had such a great time and also you know we talked about very intimate things. My husband was there, but my actually my husband and my ex was there. Uh, we met them too, and, and also um, Will and um, Will and um, Chris had had a car accident the night before. So there was just a lot of it was a it was a very sort of um, it wasn't just mm. like an interview. It was a very kind of a lot of intense things that happened,
2: mm. and
1: we they traveled and I was in Edinburgh. we and, and we had this very intimate moment that, that was surrounded by a lot of quite big things. So it, it sort of had a little springboard in terms of our, and we yes. obviously really got on. I'm I'm, I'm a very gut person, an uh, instinctive person about people, and I really felt that uh, I would I had already connected with Chris and I trusted him and I liked him and and that was why I, I I jumped
2: in like that. And also, like it was, it was about like, and I think your podcast has the same quality. Like, I feel like somewhere along the line. Radio turned into really uh, like just bullet questions at people, and conversation had disappeared. Mm. And so, and I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like I hear conversations. And then I was like, And you know what? I really don't hear is queer conversation that just Mm -hmm. flows in and out of something specifically very queer to something completely not, you know. May I
1: talk to you about your anus?
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And then Alan comes in with, you know. you know with the with the we call them um our sort of hard hitters um yeah and mm-hmm. uh, we should change the name of the podcast to tough on
0: it's, the anus a hard hitter um that <laughs> i i feel like well one thing that i will say about this that's funny is you know because my background is in like is coming through comedy podcasting yeah. and yes. comedy podcasting is it's a group of people who cannot figure out how to talk to each other unless there are microphones and then once how everybody funny. has microphones it's like such a good chill vibe. Mm. I cannot tell you the the difference between what is going on in a green room where everybody is like, um, you know, jockeying for position with like elbows out and trying to get the, you know, the biggest dig, the biggest roast, and then also the funniest joke. And mm. like vi- very little eye contact is happening. Everybody's just like sort of oh, speaking okay. to the middle of the room. Um
1: I always find that with comedians, actually. It's so interesting. Over the years, yeah. I've done quite a lot of things with comedians and, you know, sometimes made films with people who are acting, who are comedians and things like that. And I've been in certain situations myself when I'm sort of, you know, there as a sort of kind of, you know, I've done sort of stand-up and things like that. Did that, you know, just for laughs. had hosted one of those, all those things. Um, um, and I find them a very anxious collective bunch. <coughs> <laughs> you know that yeah. the, they're very it's yeah. very it's not a it is that thing of who's everyone's got kind of jostling to be the top dog everyone's got to and so nobody's like rel- no going hey how are you doing it's so nice to see you Blah blah. it's all very hey but you know immediately there's this tension and this uh it's it's a competition mm. and i think it's i'm always really intrigued by um when groups of people who do the same thing come together how they interact comedians don't do well i tell you another group who don't do well <laughs> it's because they hardly ever interact it's directors like directors are very mean about other oh, directors sure. they're like as i uh, have uh, lots of art forms or art artists uh, types of artistic work directors mm. i think partly because they never see other directors like other actors you yeah. meet lots of other actors you meet other directors you meet producers you meet you know singers, uh, but with directors it's a very, you, you. it's only you on a film that is the director, usually. Then you go and you edit with your editor. You don't really meet, you don't have sort of director seminars. Do, and so therefore you know, I think there's a, I don't know, I've found directors to be not very supportive of other directors' work. That's my impression. Yeah, but do you director know, I think room, about, What do you think about that, Christopher? Well, as of today, Emmy-nominated director. Emmy-nominated <laughs> director, get, my God, that's
2: right. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, But the I have a real opinion on that because, you you know, you're a director as well. Alan. like the the I think because I started out as a music video director and it was all white, straight men, like there were no gay men or anything. And, And this is 15 years ago when, to my shame, I didn't even question it, you know, but I think that that is I find it very patriarchal and a very one way of being that that it's just men not you know all competing with each other and i i remember like two three years in i was like i'm not going to do that like i want to be collaborative and and sisterly for want of a better word about with other directors and support them and raise them up because there's room for fucking everybody you know? yeah and, yeah and i think that that and and yeah, so I think that's what it is. I think that it, it inspires that, that it they make it like it's sport. And if you don't get exactly. sport, which I don't, right. you're like, I'm not interested in that, you know?
0: Well, I mean, I also wonder, so I would imagine that there's something for the personality type or the, like, trauma history for directors that mm-hmm. might have something in common with comics. You know, I tend to think that comics are people who, like, something really terrible happened to us at some point in our young lives, and so we both overdeveloped...
2: She said, like, if if you ask meet someone funny and ask them what happened to their mother when they were seven or something."
0: Yes, exactly. Yes, right. And so, as a reaction to that, I think that we, you know, over, overdeveloped a sense of humor just because we're gonna get we're gonna be humiliated mm-hmm. unless right. we make the joke first. And so, I think that carrying that um, energy into the rest of your life is a real burden. <laughs> Yeah. That I'm actually trying to get out of like i I took it to its full potential like i i I went with it, you know, and I tried to um essentially get love through dominance, you know like to when you're the person on stage, you're in in a in a as a comic, you're the only person that's supposed to be speaking, so yeah, hmm. of course we don't like to hang out with each other in the green room because it's all about waiting to go on, and the hmm. funniest thing in the world is to watch comics watching other comics do well because <laughs> nobody smiles
2: <laughs> wow
0: so um but funny. i think i think I they, like that then part, I... they
1: did that thing i remember once actually two two times that happened to me and i just thought this is weird was once was a b- bunch of um comedians watching you know in, in a show or something i was doing and there was somebody was on and everybody was in the green room and people were just you know like with their drinks looking up at the screen and just going that's funny
0: I was yeah. just going to say, that's funny. funny. I knew that that's, that's yeah. funny with the with, with the straight happening. across mouth.
1: And then once yeah. I was on a plane to early, early on, when I was going first going to Hollywood, I was on the plane going from LA to London. And it was in the first class, but it was all just Hollywood people. You knew it was just all just Hollywood execs and a couple of actors. It was just as obvious. People had the scripts out. And I was watching, I, I was watching a thing. I was happened to be watching the, the same thing as the man next to me. And I was had I, I could hear it and I I would go, ha <laughs> ha. And I he'd just go, That's funny. Like that. <laughs> it's just like this weird echo that every time I yeah. laughed, I don't know if he was reacting to me laughing, but he couldn't sort of laugh. It was like this lack yeah. of it was a thing that was closed off being maybe it's something about being so analytical. Like I sometimes think it's funny when comedians yeah. get so anal and analytical about a joke and about the sort of mm. the, the mechanics or the science of jokes and all that. That to me seems Really funny, and also somehow yes. loses the whole the whole kind of joy of it in a way
0: well if you if you want to refer to the most serious people in the world, it, it those are the people who are very serious about joking around, yeah, like that's, mm-hmm. that's a, that is a true uh problem. I know for me, I felt like I got to a place where. Um, It was starting to affect me like spiritually in a way Mm. of, I don't want to feel that way. You know, I don't want to walk into a room and feel that way. I'm Mm. tired of it. Um, And so I've been really happy that I got there, like that I got to that place sort of before I was fully adrift at sea and like (laughs) could not come back. And it's been really wonderful trying to work on that in my personal life. Well, Chris, what, what, yeah, tell me. I I just,
2: I just think, I think that you grow up and I do think it, for me it's to do with being queer or a gay man like you learn to regulate the room with humor and it's a lot of energy goes into that. And you go in, I'll be funny and I'll make people laugh. But actually what you're trying to do is manipulate the room to make sure that you're in control of what people think of you. And I now make a really active decision. Sometimes to just, I'm just not going to be funny in this situation. I'm not going to hold the baggage of the room because sometimes, for example, let's say you're having a meeting and it's a bit of a stressy one because it's work and people are cross about something. And it's like, I know how to go into that room and be like, ha, ha ha and like, you know, let's get it all light and blah blah blah. And it's like, why should I have to be the person who does all that hard work, you know, and I'm just gonna let other people, you know, do it because it's actually not good for you.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I think I think for I think it is a safety issue, actually. Mm-hmm. I do think for for queer folks it's like uh earning safety in the room. Yeah. Um, don't kill me, I'm valuable. Mm. I'm the jester or what, or whatever. And I can affect the mood, like you're saying. Um, I do think that's really real. I also think it's amazing to be able to turn it on. But I think for me, what was missing was an off switch. And that, that is really important.
1: Is that yeah, why I, you've done this the, podcast, do you think?
0: I think it's like just part of what has evolved naturally from doing the podcast, having better conversations with people but it's also outside shit that's happened in my actual human life
1: but like what, like
0: going through well like i went through a divorce and oh, like you? realized that um for the first time in my life i didn't want to talk to strangers about what was going on with me like because i had always used the sort of public
1: Perform- space performative thing. as an
0: engine mm-hmm. like i would be like i'll take you know, make i'll like make this I'll make the trauma into something. Hmm. I'll process it, you know, with and through you. And um, I think I just got to this place where I was like, oh, I'm actually in pain in like a really deep way. And I don't, I don't want to give that away. Like I'd like to have it. I'd Hmm. like to have that pain, which is such a strange shift, such a big shift.
2: I I find in Britain as well, like the other one is um, alcohol, you know, like, and my, my husband is from a very English family and, you know, someone will, there'll be like a problem and he's like, why don't you just have a drink? And it's a bit like, <laughs> it's a bit like when you're saying, I actually want to experience it and maybe solve it, not just numb it for a minute, you know? Yeah.
1: But I do yeah, like that thing. I've done a few
2: times where, I've, you know, it, it
1: recently, not 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 because of the, the COVID or the lockdown or everything, or anything, but I understand that thing of like, I need to drink. Like, you know, something has I I need a drink right now because I need I need to slightly um it's not to it's not to uh um push away the thing, but it's slightly to just calm me in order to be able to deal with it better.
2: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I I, oh, I mean, also think that you're very you're very very well developed in that sense and, and you know that you know what it's doing for you. You know what yeah, I mean? Whereas some yeah. people just use it to just push the thing away. Yeah.
1: I was just was, I was just talking the other day that I haven't been I've hardly been drunk at all for months. It's
2: crazy. I can tell you all that's a complete lie. <laughs> <laughs> Except those times <laughs> I called you. <laughs> yeah. Correct. No. Well, <laughs>
0: some of what you're talking about, Alan, I I noticed in myself, I wonder if this is true for you too. It's like, you know what I'm realizing in um quarantine is how much I co-regulate my energy with other people? Like I always oh, thought man. I was actually an introvert. But I think I am truly an extrovert, and that just, like, walking down the street, I'm constantly, um, yeah, co-regulating, like, off of other people's uh, heartbeats, off of other people's literally anything. And being alone in my house, I have a very difficult time calming down. I wonder if any of that has to do with, like, I just don't know what we're supposed to do, you know? So, like you're (laughs) saying, having a drink to take the edge off is, like, not something I have historically done. Um, but I do find myself truly speaking about the world as if it is like a whiskey commercial sometimes these <laughs> days. And I'm not, and that's new for me. Like, I'm like, I don't know. What, but does,
1: that, what does that mean, speaking about the world as if it's a whiskey commercial?
0: Oh just like I don't know like I'm like loosening a tie and like oh got to take the edge like what like uh, yeah, yeah. that's not a that's not a thing I usually feel ah. I think I have oh, well, that's often good. Used it's good your other things
1: t- telling you you need to maybe you should have a drink I mean I think I think alcohol or whatever you know that your thing is that like we did. and you know we take I think it's really interesting we were talking about this the other day about what you like you, you have uh, you eat food in a certain order in the day and it's a sort of ritual to like i do something mm. like that shake i just had this, what i was supposed to have for my breakfast this morning but i forgot and i have a lemon and then I have a cup of tea and chris is saying it's how you've got to have something breakfasty before you can eat other food in the day you know <laughs> that sort of thing Like <laughs> right. just suddenly start suddenly waking up and having a burger just doesn't seem right and yeah. um and so the same thing, I think, so it's, and, and, you know, like, you know, coffee is something you tend to do earlier than day for obvious reasons, but you know, there's a thing about afternoon tea, a cup of tea kind of towards the late end of the afternoon is something that's very ritualistic and there's a reason for that, it kind of maybe peps you up a wee bit after you're a little tired after lunch. And then, so alcohol, I think, is, is a part of that as well, that uh, you, ha- you have, a, a like the cocktail hour is a thing to kind of signal the end of the working day and to kind of relax you a little bit and let things go. I, I really, I'm really trying to listen to those sort of rituals of, and actually I, one of the things, the biggest thing I've, that's changed for me during lockdown is I got up earlier. I, 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 when not for someone who has to get up all the time, you know, every day I had to set my alarm because I'm always working suddenly not having to do that. I actually found, I, I discovered I like mornings. I like having that time. Cause I guess my husband's not a morning person, he would, he would stay up late drawing and I would go to bed earlier and I, and I would have those couple of hours in the morning that I really appreciated for, to myself. That was a new thing for me. Mm-hmm. But I sort of think it's really interesting to listen to the rituals, the time rituals of food and drink.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
2: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs>
0: Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh,
2: nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming.
0: Check. What? Hang on. Yeah, what are mm. you doing with those first mornings, with those first hours in the morning when you wake up?
1: Oh, I love it. Well, I get up, I, uh,. First of all I mean I'm not in that this house now. I'm in quarantine in Canada right now cuz I'm about to start shooting a thing but we've been we've been uh, in our place in the Catskills since March so I get up in the morning I unlock all the doors and and cuz he's locked them all and I we have a thing that He's, he locks all the doors. I don't, when he goes to the city and um, he's not there, I list leave all the doors and windows open.
2: Oh,
0: really? Is that your dog?
2: That... Ah. That's my dog, always makes an appearance. Sorry. Ah, Ridley. Because I'm also Beautiful. in quarantine and uh, I'm self isolating because I went to Spain. So I have to be here for 14 days and I'm not allowed to walk the dog.
1: Oh, so who comes and gets him?
2: Are just doing the no garden? One. No. No, so he's. He, well, That's like... Willie William, my husband's coming tomorrow, but um, he hasn't been walked for two days. So,
1: oh. But you know, that's oh what I do with goodness. Lala. I do this. I do. You can, if you've got French, if you've got a circuit, make a circuit and just run around. I've been running around like crazy. The neighbors.
2: Think I got I'm him insane. to like run around after me in the garden today. But um, he just, need, you know, and it's like, you need a walk, me. Yeah, yeah.
0: What were you doing in Spain?
2: I was on uh, uh, at a bachelor party, which we call a. Stag what
0: was that like? Good. Lord, what is a bachelor party <laughs> in Spain like well, during in
2: this moment? In Ibiza. In Ibiza. What are you
0: talking about? Ati. I cannot believe this is real. What What? What was it like? What are Which they doing ver- there?
2: Which version do you want? No, um, uh, it was...
0: I want to know if it was like a full circuit party, but everybody's wearing also a mask and shield. Like, what is no, going on? it was
2: very, like, me and my friends are so... Um, not we're just rubbish. you weren't pilling so, it well you're not pilling it christopher not... Not pi- no we were in a, we were in this really nice house in the middle of nowhere and um we just swam and like you know hung out and went to like there's this place called um pikes where the club tropicana video was filmed you know oh, hilarious the wham yeah and um and and there was no one there and the whole island is empty there were like four people on our plane um so it was it was not uh it wasn't the and no clubs are open so it was not the rave up that normally Ibiza is so does it look like there's
0: staff that's living there like does it look like there are people who usually would work at those places that are there or is just nobody there
2: there's hardly anyone there's but locals are there and and people who kind of went for a bit of the season but not that many people and it was it was just really strange in 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 Mm. the sense that like it was so empty and um so i have been to abita a few times at work and it's like thousands of people everywhere you go so going somewhere and it's just empty was just so weird
0: well, that makes me feel a little good. I mean, I don't know. I would be. I would feel much worse if you told me that it was thousands of people everywhere. That would be, that, would, that <laughs> yeah. would sound like, oh that no, you're be... in danger. You should definitely not take the dog for a walk. Yeah. Um, Alan, you're in Canada and yeah. you're starting to shoot. Have you shot yet? No. During this time, have you shot oh, anything?
1: I've shot. Um... I've shot something myself for the BBC, for for the National Theatre of Scotland and the BBC. I did. I mean, I've shot tons of things. I mean, that's one of the things about the, the lockdown is that <laughs> everyone who's mildly famous, I think, has been incredibly busy because everyone's asking you to make content. And mm-hmm. I did, it was like, oh, it's overwhelming. You know, and there's lots of, you know, I've been busy with some of my own stuff as well. But I'd, a lot of my days have been with uh, making, doing videos for various organizations or you know, just appeals and things like that. A lot of I've got very, I've got a lot of tripods now and little wires and things. But also, I shot this thing. um I've sung a I sung a couple of songs on my piano, and they've been they've gone on TV. I've done a lot of stuff of like that. But I, I did this thing for for the National Seed of Scotland. Did this thing called Scenes for Survival, where they got these writers and artists and directors and everything. And I, this guy, we discussed it. A guy in Scotland wrote this three part short three little short films a series and i and there was a director in scotland but i shot them with my phone uh and uh, a, a special microphone in the forest round about my house so that was kind of and then i've done a lot of animated things there's this animated series i'm in called the the prince and so i shot that i've done a lot of that a lot of Audio stuff, but the one thing I did shake was, and it was just so crazy because I was playing this kind of ma- crazy person who was running around the forest with a knife, and I live in a up a mountain. There's nobody there, but at one point I was supposed to be eating a piece of rabbit. I had vegan corned beef in my little bag. That I was using to sort of. T- you know, tend to be tearing a, a piece of raw rabbit that was off camera and I had a knife in my hand and I was sort of screaming into this camera that was on my, this phone that was on the, the forest floor. And I just had one of those moments to think if anyone was just taking a quiet hike and, and just happened to be passing. What would they have thought? And I actually thought it'd be because, you know, sometimes you think that when you see people having sex in, in, in porn in public in a forest, and I think, like, oh God, imagine someone's walking their dog and I just came across them. I actually think it'd be better to have seen me having sex than to have seen me in that position. <laughs> Bend, bending over a camera, chewing on vegan. You're like, it's corn vegan. Beef. Yeah. Yes, You're with just a screaming,
0: knife. it's vegan. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yes. <laughs> I also think that. There is something super unsettling about seeing anybody. I I was walking in my neighborhood, and I saw—this actually, like, broke my heart. I saw somebody on—they're, like, on their balcony, um, and there's, like, flowing white tapestries sort of hung around them. And there's—this is, like, early in quarantine, and there's, like, a, a distant camera guy who, like, has a, you know, mask and shield on, and this person—and they're loudly playing— a song and this person is like lip syncing around and i could tell that the shot was probably framed so that they looked like they were somewhere majestic but they were truly in like the shitty there's like a wow. there's like construction happening next door they're <laughs> like the the flowing drapes are like taped up with duct tape and it was like it was a. Uh, I actually stopped and watched for a while like i didn't I not that they saw but i just wanted to be like good for you like making yes. it work you I know think like however that's
1: everyone's up their uh their selfie game and during the lockdown <laughs> because everyone's that's how you are you know how you've communicated more i mean people are that's how I mean, it was getting that way anyway but really that's how you have had, been able to keep in touch is by and the whole thing with the little lights you know the little lights that go right the, the the circle lights that oh, go on your yeah. on your phones and your computers
2: everyone's got much better at lighting thank goodness because that's something <laughs>
1: that's that the world was. I lacking always have in. this
2: thing that, like, I won't put a filter on my face. I just won't do it. Um, but you know, I might, I might give in. Bless you.
0: I mean, uh...
2: I feel like you're contributing to the issue of like, You why are, do I have yeah. to look in this? No one does. So you know, it's like here I am. Although after a particularly heavy night in Ibiza of lots of drinking. I did a video of myself to say a new episode of our podcast was online. And I looked at my face. I was like, there is no way that's going online. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was like, I look like someone's hit me.
0: <laughs> you know what is something that I've actually really enjoyed is watching people's hair color be what their hair color actually is. Mm. Oh, yes. It feels like kind of beautiful to see it.
2: People were saying that oh, about man. Botox and fillers and stuff, weren't they? They were saying, we'll all see the Botox and fillers start to disappear. I've loved those ones. You know those ones you
1: see, uh, like, you know, it's um, the Tiger Man. What was his name? The one that we all watched? The, uh, oh, Tiger King. Yeah, so it says Tiger King, a uh, picture of Tiger King, and it says, lockdown's been really tough for me. And then underneath it says, Jennifer Aniston. You know, it's like pretending <laughs> yes. that someone is somebody else. I've loved yeah. those. So it's actually that thing. I remember at the start of it, a friend of mine was saying, I'm just, I just spent the entire day seeing me can buy Botox on Amazon. You can't. And like she, she says oh. no she was like nobody'll be able to recognize me if this goes past a few months. You know, and that things like that, like <laughs> hair yeah, hair color, hair length. Like I have not actually cut my hair since um the beginning of lockdown. I cut it, trimmed it a little bit at the back.
0: <laughs> do you think, Alan, do you think that they will um
1: do you think that they will change your your hair um for the film. When you're shooting? Yeah, for this thing. Yeah. Well the thing is they said I said I said to them, hey, can I cut my hair? I might cut my hair before I come. They said, no, we'd like you to have long hair, for, you know, keep your hair growing, and my beard. So I grew, started growing my beard again. I'm playing the mayor in this kind of funny musical thing. And so I guess, yeah, I mean, the thing is, what I, the thing is, that I actually like the fact that it's, my hair is crazy. It's, I look like, you know, remember that mug shot of, um, of uh, what do you call him, Nick Nolte? <laughs> that's 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 what my hair is like a bit when i in the mornings and um <laughs> and so i actually but now i'm quite li- liking the fact that if i'm you know i've always that thing of you want to grow your hair and i had i had no hair at all when i this started because i was doing a play in london and i was bald and so it's been it's very kind of you know a whole new world that this is my covid hair and uh so the thing is if they they will maybe uh, keep it like this or trim it, but then the the thing is the film you know they trim it for continuity a little bit every week, so i'm kind of I'm, I'm happy about that I want to kind of keep going sometimes you can cheat
0: yeah so i mean it feels like a it does feel like a moment that is um part of the times it is it is weird to think about like my 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 girlfriend has been we cu- we've been cutting each other's hair in the driveway uh-huh. and what a what a like perfect it just feels right, you know, it just feels right. To the t- There's hair all over the driveway. It just feels like, yes, that's what's going on right now. Like <laughs> It looks bad when we're done and then it just grows in a couple days or weeks later. And so are those fine.
1: bits, are those- What a delight. Those blonde bits, are those uh, tips that you put in or are those at the end of These what it used to be? These are from
0: a minute ago. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, uh, it was blonde, yeah.
1: So it's just now um, growing back in and those are the remnants
2: of the blondness, the last Exactly. Cutting yeah. it looks good. Hair I like that test for a relationship.
0: Oh my god, it is, and it's also—it feels, um, yeah, it feels really intimate. It's like a sweet thing oh, to nice. learn how to do some stuff in the relationship. That usually...
1: Oh, I forgot to tell you, Chris Grant, my husband sent me a picture the other day. I forgot to discuss this with him, where he had—he's been—he's got very little hair, and he's been doing—he just gets one of those things, you know, and you do a clipper yeah. things and you put it to a setting, Clippers. and you just go like that all over, and sort of. Uh, at the sides anyway and that's what he did to me at the back because it was my my back bits were coming curling out behind my ears like a sort of a 1970s porn star so Uh, i chopped those bits off but uh, he did it put it on the wrong setting the other day and he had this kind of big strip up the side of his head it was kind of nearly bald and I haven't, uh, oh, no. I, I, I forgot to ask him what he's done with that. I mean, there's been a, gr- a lot of great COVID hair accidents. Oh, my friend Faye in, in um, London, she's an actress called Faye Ripley. She put on her Instagram, she dyed that. her hair pink. Really? Yeah, she dyed it completely pink. Got it? Do
2: you always have got... to dye it blonde first to then to get to pink? Absolutely. Oh, you do?
1: Yeah. She did it yes, with something, absolutely. it was a mistake, though. it didn't quite come out the way she wanted it.
0: Yeah, that you have seems- to strip it first and then you put the, which is also wild thinking about people doing that at home. Like they're definitely destroying some of their towels. Like no, no yeah. doubt that there are, that there are marks on the walls or whatever. Things have, things have uh, suffered in yes. the home for yes. that beautiful, nearly pink hair. <laughs> well, y'all, I want to ask like just maybe one more question and then feed into asking you to shout out Queer Rose because I rarely have two people on the podcast and it is oh, interesting really? how it like affects. Yeah, I've only done it two other times. So it's it makes it for a much more conversational chat as opposed to directing it to each one of you. So, Chris, you talk to me about this Emmy nomination.
2: Oh, thank God, finally, 58 <laughs> minutes in.
0: Can you believe how fucking long that took? I know,
2: I've been texting my agent while it's been going on. Still no mention of the Emmy. Um <laughs> there is no agent he he retired um <laughs> so i directed a show called back to life uh, which is which great is like com- oh thank you alan That's no really it's really great i'm not just blowing smoke up yes um it's a comedy drama that was on showtime in the u.s and it was commissioned by the bbc in the uk and made by the same people who made fleabag so people often compared it with that and um it came out and, it, you know, people really liked it, which was great. It's about this woman who returns to her hometown after 18 years of being in prison and she has to rebuild her life. But you have to work out what it is that she did and was she guilty or not. So it's got this mystery at the heart of it. But it's also very funny about the hap sort of the haphazard way of trying to revisit your old life and meet up with your ex-boyfriend who you used to love and now is like really old with kids. <laughs> and banging and your, your mum banging your mother yes little spoiler there. spoiler sorry <laughs> uh spoiler. oh listen um and uh yeah so it's and like we we made it with no money and loads of love and you know and then i thought we were out of the time of being able to be nominated for anything but someone called me this morning and said we've been nominated for best comedy so um that's amazing that's so great yeah that is and, amazing uh, and a nice little gang, you know, and Daisy Haggard stars in it and she wrote it with another writer called Laura Solon. And I just kind of feel really proud of them, you know, and it was just, it was made, I just felt like we were making something like putting on a school play, you know, uh, <laughs> and the fact that that gets recognition, I always think is really lovely.
0: Yeah, that is really lovely. Huge congrats. And Thank before you. I send you back into your lives, it is time. Um, I would love to ask both of you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place or thing that made you feel like you can be who you are today.
1: Well, I know who mine is. Should I go first? Yeah, go on. My granny, um, who was this crazy lady who lived in Inverness in Scotland. And so she was my mum's mum, And she was the person who first, she was kind of eccentric and, uh, she I, and I remember like things that I would give her for Christmas when I was a little boy. I'd save up and I'd buy her a packet of cigarettes as a present. We, right? <laughs> I love that. And she would just think it was the most lovely present ever. And you know, we'd go when I'd go and stay with her. We'd get to sit in her bed and read comics, and you know, she'd stay up late. And she once took me to. I once went to stay with her, and she and she there was a double bill of, these two films that were X rated. There weren't like and the difference in Britain is. We do. We, we, okay. X is sort of Triple like X. over over eighteen or something. I mean, it wasn't uh, like okay. it wasn't porn, obviously, but they have different ratings in Britain. But this is an X-rated film for sexual content, and it was a double bill of it. It had David Essex. Remember David Essex, Christopher? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he was this sort of pop star who became a sort Very. of film star in the seventies, I guess, seventies. And there was two films. There was one called That'll Be the Day, and and god's what was it against superstar or something i can't remember anyway in that film there was this amazing uh thing i've never forgotten he's been he's kind of you he's written his first album he's become a big star and then i remember he, he gets married to his sweetheart but he shags the bridesmaid in the back of a van the night before and uh then you know the then he kind of loses it he's kind of doing a bit of drugs he's not getting isn't writing the record the next record blah blah and there's one point they're also the manager saying to him you know when are you going and he says look, I'm an artist, not a machine. And I've always <laughs> loved that saying, but that's not the point of the story. So I, I, my granny would get me into these things. She she wanted, she wanted to go and see it and I was with her and she just sort of somehow got me into the cinema when I was like eight or something. But she was the first person that made me feel that it was okay to be different. And it wasn't a particularly uh, explicit mm-hmm. thing about being queer or anything. It was just that idea of different, that you don't have to be like everyone else. I was sort of being told at the time by my uh by my father that i must be the same as everyone else and she kind of showed me by her example that you could have fun being yourself and you don't have to um kind of fit in and then the very last time i saw her she's i had blonde hair for a film i was doing and there was a little gathering at her house because it was my uncle's birthday but she couldn't come to the party because she just had a heart attack and i had blonde hair and um, my, some people in my family go, oh, you know, Alan, what's this more crazy hair colour? What's this for? La, la, la. And um, I, before I could say anything, my granny, sort of, she was so tiny at this point. She was like a little funny little sort of shrunk into this chair and she kind of popped up and she went, well, I like it. And if I was young again, <laughs> I'd be a freak like Alan too. that's so sweet
0: oh my god what a dream
1: isn't that gorgeous
0: (laughs) what a true dream yeah it is gorgeous i had a really lovely nana i had a really lovely grandmother who didn't want to go to her 100th birthday party she was pissed she was like i'm very old i don't want to get dressed and go like to a party and so she um died two days before her 100th birthday to be like
2: (laughs) Oh my <laughs> and god! And so we
0: we buried her on her hundredth birthday instead. Like that is truly what her personality was like. Wow. And I never came out to her because I was like so I didn't understand how to bring it up. Like I just couldn't. She's super Italian Catholic grandmother, um, and so like I never sat her down for the story for the you know for the like telling the like very maudlin you know mm. tears or and like so oh, yeah, to you know. tell you yeah exactly like we never sat down like that but she knew one of my exes um, really well. And at this point, she must have been 95 or 96. And we were hanging out one time and my ex Z and I had, we had just moved into a new apartment and my Nana was like, congratulations, how many bedrooms? And I said, one. And she said, okay. And like, that oh, is I love that. the most, I mean, like, yeah, it was super sweet. I think she was doing the closest she could muster to a. If I was young, I'd be freaking like, yes, yes, yes. like that was her moment of. I, I, for a long time, I felt like I had like missed the opportunity to tell her. But then I was like, I don't know, for the era she grew up in, that might have been like fully like she was, you know, thinking, like, how do I indicate that I'm chill with this? in the like most in the least invasive way possible right and so right. she's like i know how to do it like give me a floor plan like yes, how, like yes. lay out you know lay out where the bathroom is and i just yeah. thought it was yes yes in the time sense i thought it was so sweet
2: that's so sweet what about you Chris? Chris? What? what's your queero my queero would definitely have to be my godfather oh it was a gay wow, man. Wow, family
1: called,
0: members. I mean, or I mean, I yeah. guess family Yeah.
2: Um. Well, he was family, you know, and like he he. So he, uh, was a man called Gavin Robinson, and he, um, my mum grew up on like a council estate in Kidbrook, which is like a bit of London, but it wasn't a. She didn't have a particularly uh exciting childhood and gavin robinson was a model from south africa and he moved to london and he set up a model agency and he was this fabulous gay man who was so proud isn't the right word but just he was didn't care and he plucked my mum from obscurity and got her to work for him and totally changed her life and she became a model agent and then she became a stylist and she met my dad who was a photographer and he was my mum's best friend. And he was always in our house from the moment we were born. And he, or he had this lovely boyfriend called Penguin, I remember. Penguin? We called his boy, yeah, we all called his boyfriend Penguin. That was his nickname. And um, uh, he loved us so much as his godchildren and just took such interest. And I just feel so lucky that I was around someone who was gay a lot at a time when people would m- make out that they were other. You know, and I had it on firsthand experience how normal and amazing it is. Um, and and then, but sadly, you know, when you were just saying that, um, that I never told him I was gay because he died before I probably even knew fully, fully, fully. So we never got to have that conversation. So his impact in a way, but I'm sure he knew.
0: I was going to say, I feel like
2: I'm sure he knew. I played yeah, Mary in sure the knew. nativity play, age four. The, hello! Otherwise. Oh my
0: god, me too. The two of us <laughs> dueling Marys.
2: I Actually, said, I was—I was—I
0: was Mary number three. There were like three different kids cast as Mary in the nativity because everybody had to be included in a you know wow. important way. But Mary number three was the one who gave birth to Jesus oh, Christ the gosh. Savior. Well, so well, I kind of think it's the biggest role—that's the top. Yeah, it's the top well, role. Yeah, yeah, yeah for meatiest. sure. Yeah. Well, you too. It's it's been lovely to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you, it's Thank lovely.
2: you. It's so and nice.
0: good luck with the rest of quarantine. And
2: thank you. And thank both you both. Yeah. Our quarantines. Yeah. yeah. Good luck thank with both so of,
0: with both of your quarantines.